The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, episode 31. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a dead. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. Hey everyone, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter, a.k.a. Father Fett. And you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away. Today we're discussing Chapter 6 of Star Wars The Mandalorian, titled The Prisoner. And joining me on the panel today are Angela Cialana. Hi, Angela. Hey, Father. Great to be back. Next, we have Mike Creevy. Hey, Mike. Hey, Father. And finally, this evening, uh, we have Andrew Hermes. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Father. It's good to be back as well. Absolutely. Thomas is unfortunately not able to join us, so this is our crew tonight. So tonight we are discussing episode six, chapter six of The Mandalorian entitled The Prisoner. And Disney's simple summary is this. The Mandalorian joins a crew of mercenaries on a dangerous mission. First of all, I just love how incredibly vague those single sentences are. (laughs) But that's kind of the point. So it was I found it to be quite a, a fun episode. I, I read online uh, that someone had pointed out that it was almost like if you were to merge Ocean's Eleven and The Predator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So I, I just, I enjoyed that. I, I, I really enjoy kind of a heist plot, so that was really fun. And then kind of the swap midway through it uh, just added a bunch of, of intrigue to the whole to the whole plot of the, the episode. So what do you guys think of the the episode in general i thought that the episode was a lot of fun like you said i think just uh you know the overarching you know story about the show or or why audiences i think are starting to become you know a little divided on the show is that uh something that i brought up in in an earlier podcast is that the show is is really establishing itself to be very episodic and not so much you know just one linear well, it is linear, but it's it's not focusing on the over the just one main plot. It's 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 very story of the week, villain of the week, as we've discussed before. And even I find myself still having some issues with that. But if I just look at the episode itself, it was it was great. It was wonderful. It was like I love stories that kind of confine you know the characters in in one you know some small space. And it, it started off as like a rescue mission, then it turned into a horror movie. So I, I love when, uh, you know, genres can kind of melt together like that uh, for an episode. And it, it reminded me of a lot of other movies that I like. And, and, and it totally reminded me of the Darth Vader scene at the end of Rogue One when all the doors shut and mm-hmm. the, the lights, you know, flashed red. And, you know, but obviously it was the Mandalorian had the upper hand in, in this case and not the bad guys. But yeah, overall, um, I thought this was, I think, Rick Famuia's. If I'm saying that right, his second episode that he's directed, I thought he did a killer job with all the sequences, you know, basically all taking place on in, in that prison. 
you know, still not enough Baby Yoda, but we did get some uh, some cool moments uh, from him, especially we, we thought he used his force powers uh, at the end there. I'm sure we'll get to <laughs> yeah. that. So that was, uh, we we had our our uh, our Baby Yoda uh, moment there. But overall, I did, I did enjoy the episode a lot. And I love, I thought um, Bill Burr was a, a great casting choice. And we'll probably talk about that some more. But overall, I, I love the episode. Cool. See, I, got, I, I wish I wish Dom were here to kind of comment on the Boston thing. Yeah, you know, as a, as a fellow Bostonian, but I I agree with everything Andrew said. I, I would just add the only thing I wanted to mention, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more later. But I I personally really just think it's neat to see this conflict uh, with Mando, where he you know you do have kind of the the bigger story that we were kind of aware of, but also like he's got a like he needs to get fuel, like he needs he's in this sort of desperate like he has to work, but he can't work, and the more he works, the more he's ending up in situations where he can't work with those people. So he's burning bridges kind of everywhere he goes as he's on this kind of moral, dare I say, sort of moral development. And then, you know, in every situation he's in where he has to kind of just kind of keep moving down that path and keep applying all that stuff that he's kind of built up to, but it becomes increasingly difficult because especially in this one where he's around all these people who are absolutely not, you know, playing by the same rules he is. Um, so that's something I'm I'm really enjoying to see that, especially. Yeah, and I just uh, I love the episode as well. The music was awesome. Um, this episode, and um, I loved all the little Easter eggs and um cameos and cool things that um popped up throughout the episode. So looking forward to really diving in. Awesome. Yeah, I fully expect in the next two episodes we're going to get quite a bit more of Baby Yoda and the the, the larger overarching story. I mean you'd think that they wouldn't set that up in the first three episodes and just, and then just not let it pay off until season two. So I, I expect that will happen, but I guess we'll have to just wait and see. And I guess, yeah, the other thing that I wanted to throw in there was that, um, Angela, I think you had mentioned before, uh, at some point that this is a bit of a scary episode. Yeah. And, and I got that message from you before I watched it the first time. And so I watched it the first time and, I sort of was confused because I didn't find it that scary. <laughs> but I think a couple things uh, had to happen for me. First of all, I'm I'm an adult. And so I just <laughs> naturally am not necessarily as scared by this. But I also realized that I had to watch it two different ways. That the first time that I watched it, I, I naturally empathized with Mando and his position. And the, the team members that he ends up hunting down, I did not <laughs> empathize with. So I was not sharing their fear of being hunted. Until I watched it a second time and had to like, you know, throw myself into their position. And, and especially when he approaches uh, Mayfield and you have that like flashing light. <laughs> Once I put myself in Mayfield's position, I was like, oh, OK, this this is why this is quite terrifying to have a Mandalorian after you. Yeah. Um, so just for context, I had messaged everybody on our panel beforehand because some of, you know, we've talked about watching it with kids. And um, I was also seeing it from like the Baby Yoda perspective of like, you know, Baby Yoda was kind of in danger by himself in this scary situation, too. Um, and plus, like some of the characters, especially the Devronian character, were like a yeah. little bit frightening. <laughs> so, yeah, I just thought, oh, I'll just give him a heads up on that. But cool. So just uh, another just general point before we jump into the recap uh, this is episode six, so there are only two more episodes of this season to go. 
And next week, episode seven drops on Wednesday or this week, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. Episode seven releases on Wednesday, just ahead of the, the theatrical release of The Rise of Skywalker. And so just listeners, just so that you're aware of what we're planning on doing is we are planning on reviewing uh, chapter seven of The Mandalorian after we've seen The Rise of Skywalker. So we plan to, if there are connections to be made between uh, chapter seven and The Rise of Skywalker, we fully plan to kind of tease some of those out. And then we will be doing a kind of initial thoughts run through of The Rise of Skywalker as the next episode of the podcast before coming around to to land with Chapter 8 of The Mandalorian the, the following week. So with all that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the to the recap here. And so the episode starts off with Mando and Baby Yoda in the Razor Crest arriving at this uh, space station, and we're introduced to Ran, who seems to have already some history with Mando. He he knows him, but he also just calls him Mando, which everybody is calling him Mando now. Mm-hmm. So I, that's my default when I'm referring to him anymore is just just Mando. And Mando has reached out to him for a job. He obviously still needs money. He needs food. He needs fuel. He's got two mouths to feed, and so he. He lands on the space station and uh, talks to the talks to Ran about about this job that he's he's going to do for him. And Ran has already heard that Mando is on the outs with the guild, and so that knowledge has already shifted across you know the these circles. Everybody seems to already know that Mando is is in this fragile position with the guild. But Ran has a policy of no questions, and so he doesn't pursue it anymore. And the job that he is putting together is they are putting together a crew to rescue what Rand calls an associate. And he has four people, but he needs a fifth plus a ship. And that's where Mando comes in with the Razor Crest. Father, can I just make a quick comment on the Absolutely. guy who plays Rand? Just, just in passing, because he, he looked familiar and I looked him up because I, th- I thought I knew who he was. But it's uh, Mark Boone Jr., um, who's been in a bunch of things. He was in Memento and... Um, uh, I remember him really well from Batman Begins. He's he's um, Commissioner Gordon when he's still a just a I guess a, a lieutenant or a detective. He's, he's his like dirty partner, and I just like it, I always laugh like certain typecasting because that guy just seems like a seedy dude, you know. Like he always <laughs> seems to play like that, and I always wonder with with people like that. I was like, is he just a really great actor? Is, is that like is that what he's like? You know, because I don't know. It just for some reason he really like instantly I thought had the kind of credibility for that kind of role it just felt like it was a good fit you know right and it just went right into it so quick mm-hmm. yeah so, he was also on uh sons of anarchy so oh, he, right yeah so that <laughs> yeah. right there tells yeah. you yeah the type of roles that he's getting yeah yeah and actually it's funny you bring up batman because i saw a lot of batman connections in this episode so mm-hmm. maybe i'll talk about that at the end <laughs> oh that'd be interesting i'd like to hear I that too actually <laughs> Same here. <laughs> okay, <laughs> nice. It was supposed well, to happen, it. I guess. Uh, so after we Mando gets that initial kind of uh, breakdown of what's happening, we are introduced to the the first member of the team, who is Mayfield, and he is more or less the the leader of the crew. Uh, Ran has given him that that position, and something that was that was happening between this whole conversation. Uh, they were referencing Mando's early years. Rand was talking about some of the jobs that that they had done when they were younger, and they made a comment that uh, 
Mando found those early jobs, what he got out of those early jobs was target practice. <laughs> and I found that 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 was sort of interesting because I think what was happening, or at least what I kind of took was there, the, the episode as a whole is showing how he has changed. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it was funny because Ran at one point says to Mando explicitly, you haven't changed one bit. And I kept thinking, ah, I'm pretty sure he has. <laughs> yeah. And I think we see that kind of played out throughout the episode. But there's obviously history there and, and um, jobs that they've done in the past that perhaps he wasn't quite as merciful in his earlier years. There's also a, a random comment about Mayfield being a former Imperial sharpshooter. Which is kind of a fun quip because stormtroopers are not <laughs> like, known to what be. What would that have been? <laughs> I wasn't a stormtrooper. <laughs> yeah, he's he's been in, he's heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just want to bring up again. Yeah, um, since we're talking about Mayfield, uh, Bill Burr, I think you know it's very easy. Like when when you have these sort of roles given to like a recognizable, mm -hmm. you know, especially a comedian. Who, who's known for more for his stand-up than his acting. Mm -hmm. It's easy to be like when you're watching the episode, oh, well, that's Bill Burr. There he is again. <laughs> you know, it's Bill Burr. But I, I, I felt that he he killed the role and, and, you know, he was surrounded by a lot of characters that kind of played it over the top, you know, mm -hmm. in a good way. Yeah. I, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the Twi'lek siblings, you know, and, and Bar Barg, was, his, yep. was that his name? Yeah. Berg. Obviously very over the top. You know, Star Wars over the top in a good way. You know, like like Palpatine's is the most over the top character, and he's like one of the best characters. Mm. But I felt like you know, so, although he was like scummy, like these guys were, mm. he was kind of more grounded. Maybe not as scummy. You know, he kind of he. You can tell he had somewhat of a of a moral compass. Like there's that scene, you know, later on in the episode where he's like, hey. We have to save your sister too, right? And when he's talking to Quinn, and Quinn is like, just kind of ignores it, and and is like, no, let's get out of here. And 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 his response to that was like, oh, nice family, <laughs> you know. It kind of it kind of su surprised him. So, um, he it shows that he doesn't maybe he doesn't always look for look out for number one. Uh, that's probably why he was the leader of the group. You know, you could tell he he has those mm -hmm. qualities. But anyway, yeah, I just wanted to shout out Bill Burr playing Mayfield in that role. I thought he did uh, an excellent job. Well, and since you brought that up too, Mayfeld, the character name, I don't know if you guys know that Bill Burr, a while back, he actually defended a Cleveland Browns football player <laughs> um, yep. who was named Mayfield, um, oh, Baker on, Mayfield on yeah. this show. And so he was kind of like people took notice of that particular instance and it was on Colin Cowherd's show. Um, so I just thought that that was probably a reference to to that situation that he really kind of like he he stood his ground in that particular. I don't know. There was like this kind of a criticism over the the player, but um, I thought that was a neat kind of tie in with the the name Mayfeld. So I did like, by the way, how utterly unimpressed with Mando the Deveronian is from the from the get go. <laughs> He's just like <laughs> tiny, you know, just walks away. <laughs> Like they made it very good. It doesn't doesn't Berg mean mountain? Like in German? Like it's just oh I think so. Oh, right. Maybe. Like very well just, could be. I mean you have like So just yeah. that like big dude, you know. <laughs> That's it, you know. Well, and I loved how they just they referred to him as the muscle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
He told that. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, he mentions to Mando, like he said, he makes a comment like, oh, I thought Mandalorians are supposed to be these great warriors. And he's like, well, why are they all dead? They so all it's dead? like a ref. Yeah. It's like a reference to the, the purge, you know, yeah. and, and, and it kind of, um, you know, I got the sense that um, maybe he like, obviously, like maybe Mando wasn't there for during mm-hmm. that time. And maybe there's some guilt associated with that. And, you know, I think that throughout the episode and, and like the previous episodes, he's trying to he's struggling to find out what his identity is, because everyone has this conception of what a man Mandalore is, and he doesn't quite fit that anymore. And you can and him running into, you know, his old, you know, maybe these guys were like his old family. It looks like, the you know, he had a lot of adventures with these other scummy mercenary types and, and he obviously doesn't fit in anymore. I think the even though like I've mentioned the the nature of these episodes seem to be not too focused on the overall story uh, pushing it forward I think where it does uh, succeed in that is showing us these little tidbits these little emotional moments of of Mando kind of you know maybe reflecting on you know uh times that have gone by where he felt like oh maybe maybe uh like I mentioned he was he wasn't there during the purge and he lost a lot of people that you know, a lot of loved ones during that time or, and he has some guilt associated with that or, you know, who, or, and then obviously it's very obvious that he left them on bad terms and, and he was coming back and, and, uh, and, and maybe we'll get to find out what, what really happened between them. Um, mm-hmm. or, or maybe not, but at least we're getting these little insights into, uh, you know, what's going on with, with himself and, and his identity crisis. Well, and I think if, if you wanted to say that there was like an, the the constant sort of plot line throughout all of these episodes would be like who is mando yeah mm. because each of these episodes tends to like focus in on i mean they they keep referencing his helmet and who's the man behind the helmet and and even we are probably questioning like who is he or you know in this episode who was he back when he was with uh the the shion and and that group and and they keep making those references to the man behind the mask and and so i think that could be an underlying plot throughout the whole thing plus baby yoda's the other huge <laughs> underlying plot behind everything and i and and on that note too father the bill burr's gungan reference had me in stitches that <laughs> yeah. i like you know maybe he's a gungan you so afraid to have your helmet like i just thought <laughs> to have him be able to deliver like a gungan jab was just and all I could, that was all awesome. I could visualize was Jar Jar yeah. at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That was great. Oh my gosh. But at that point too, we're we're introduced to the the other members of the team, Berg, the, the Daveronian that we've already mentioned. They have a, a droid uh, named Zero and uh Shion, who is a, a Twi'lek, and she's the one that has the connection with Mando from the past. She immediately draws a knife on him. And it's sort of unclear why, but I think it's revealed sort of later on, of course, that Mando is the reason that her brother uh, was left behind and captured or imprisoned. And and that seems to be why she drew the knife on him. But how that happened, uh, we don't really know. Um, but it also implies that, that Mando and Xi'an may have been close, uh, more than just friends, but we're not entirely sure what that what that is at all either. He doesn't, doesn't, doesn't deny tell. any of it. <laughs> he doesn't really say he's much. Quiet, yeah, but he's quiet, right? <laughs> but she also doesn't yeah. rat him out. No, yeah. if yeah. there was anything that was happening. Did you guys catch? It's the same actress that played uh, Tonks in uh, Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, which was, was cool because you can't really tell with the makeup. But yeah, that was kind of that was kind of neat. 
there was a lot of a lot of the the actors and actresses in this whole episode have all sorts of fun and random connections. Um, so we kind of have a, a shift there. They've met the team, and Zero is going to be the one to pilot the ship, which visibly upsets Mando just a little bit. Um, I would I would be similarly upset if someone was going to take take the pilot's role of my vehicle. Um, but Zero is going to pilot the ship because there's some fun crazy maneuvers that they have to do in order to get into the blind spot to uh to land on this the prison ship a uh, new republic prison ship that they're going to break a prisoner out of and uh in fact i i, I wrote in my notes that i didn't realize that the razor crest was that agile to see that yeah. that whole uh little scene play out yeah, I think part of the the purpose of this episode was to really give us some information about the Razor Crest because they did talk about um what it can do and um well we see what it can do too. And then um Father, I guess you had mentioned before that before we recorded that they mm-hmm. they call it a ghost. Yeah, like it it can um it can be off the radar, you know, it can it was I guess pre-imperial and apparently um, when the empire took over, they impounded ships and they made sure that they only knew what ships were out there. So the fact that the Razor Crest wasn't impounded, um, I think Zero kind of mentions that is interesting. Um, and then, yeah, and then they, I think it was, I keep wanting to say Bill Burr, but, um, <laughs> but Mayfeld calls it like something that like a canto bite slot machine or something like that yeah that was funny (laughs) do you i'm just curious i i'm not too clear yet because the way they've talked about the razor crest i'm not entirely clear if that's the name of that ship or if it's the kind of ship it is because i I feel like in the very first episode when he's walking over to it and we see it for the first time and he's got uh was it a mithral or whatever that character that he was taking Mm -hmm. the blue guy Mm-hmm. And he's he's like, you know, oh, Razor Crest, you know, pre-Imperial, like it sounded more like because he wouldn't have seen Mando's ship before. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. I'm I'm just not too clear on that yet. If that's like this, like the make or model of that ship or the yeah. name of it. So this is coming from StarWars.com. I just uh, Googled okay. it quick and, and I it doesn't really answer the question, but StarWars.com says it's a former military craft used to patrol local territories in the time before the Empire. The Razor Crest is the Mandalorian's trusty transport and living quarters as he scours the Outer Rim for fugitives to catch. Okay. I would sort of imply that that would be the name of the ship, not the model, but... Right, yeah. Oh, hmm. It's still pretty cool. I like how it almost has like a, like a 50s, like a 1950s, like the, like the chrome. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it just kind of somehow captures that, like for, for us watching it, you know, it's just kind of neat. Yeah. And to just state this explicitly, Angela, I'm not sure if you you did, but uh, Zero references the, the Razor Crest as as a ghost. And mm. and for those of us who have seen Star Wars Rebels, that's that's a very cool connection to the ghost from the, the ship that that they use in that in the animated series of the Star Wars Rebels. So at that whole point, though, there where they're discussing the ship and, and why they need to use it. Uh, they also mention that the the prison ship that they're supposed to infiltrate uh, is completely manned by droids, and so that kind of plays a role in the the episode as it goes along. So that's that was important to, to point out. 
This is Dom Bettinelli, CEO of SQPN, with a special message. The StarQuest Network is fulfilling its mission to explore the intersection of faith and pop culture, and in the past year we've reached stunning new heights. Our programs are reaching broad new audiences with a message that helps us discern good entertainment, make sense of the world, and share the gospel with others. We continue to launch new shows and bring back great shows. We just relaunched Secrets of Star Wars, which comes at the perfect moment to capture the excitement over the new show, The Mandalorian, and the climax of the new Star Wars movies. The support of our audience is vital to this work and has helped us grow closer to meeting our financial obligations. For that, we are very grateful. But we still need to close the gap. Every new gift extends our deadline. But until we eliminate our deficits, the future of StarQuest and your favorite shows remain in question. This is why it's crucial we hear from you this Advent and Christmas, the time when nonprofits receive most of their support for the year. If you're already a supporter of StarQuest, we are very grateful and we ask you to prayerfully consider increasing increasing your support at this time. If you are not yet a supporter, please become one now. We urgently need your help and every gift counts. Could you give $15 or even just $10 per month? That lets us provide more than 40 hours of professionally produced shows with compelling content. We have special thank you gifts for donors at several giving levels. If you are a business owner or just want to provide a leadership level of support, we now have a special giving level for sponsors, like in public broadcasting. For $500 per month, you or your business can sponsor one of the shows on our network. Listeners will hear a message in every episode thanking you for your sponsorship and giving your website. We'll also have your name and link on the SQPN webpage and in the show notes of every episode during your sponsorship. Whatever level of support you can offer, whether large or small, please show your support for SQPN this Christmas, and remember that your gifts are tax-deductible. Just go to sqpn.com slash give. That's sqpn.com slash give. And may God bless you and yours as we approach the celebration of our Lord's birth. And then we get the next scene where they are on board the ship and Zero takes them into hyperspace heading towards uh, the, the prison vessel. And we have this this interesting dialogue between all of them where they're all just giving Mando a really hard time. Uh, and and I felt really bad for, for Mando. <laughs> um, and again, they were referencing his past. Uh, Shion asks says to ask Mando about the job on Alzoc 3. Um, and uh, basically she says that, or Mando says that he did what he had to do, and she tells him that he liked what he did, and she knows who he really is. And so what happened, we don't know, but again, she's kind of claiming to know who Mando is, and and I think that's not who he is now. Maybe it was who he, he was then. And they also start to mock him about his helmet, and they mocked him about uh, Shion actually mocks mocks saying this is the way. Yeah, I thought that was interesting because they've made reference to like how he was sort of a little bit more of like a bad guy type of young when he was in his younger days, but then at the same time he still, I guess, talked about the way of the Mandalorians. So that's interesting to kind of get that window into who was he in the past. And then um, just the fact it's almost like, you know, somebody who grew up in a certain religion or faith. And then, you know, they sort of they they don't really live it 100 percent. But then 
sometimes they're, you know, they don't cross a certain line because of their faith or their upbringing. So that that's kind of what it reminded me of. Well, and I was going to say roughly the exact same thing, that it it felt like a religious attack. Mm-hmm. And I think we and I'm sure many of the listeners have been it would be in the similar situation of being teased or or mocked for for our our uh, Catholic faith, um, whether or not you know we were in high school and we we were Catholic in name only, which uh, many of us probably were, but still that that meant we had a moral code that we weren't going to cross, and and so yeah, I, I that one that one hit maybe more than all the other mocking. That's also the point where they ask if he's a Gungan underneath his helmet, <laughs> and. Yeah. Mayfield tries to get Berg to physically take off Mando's helmet. Thankfully, he doesn't succeed. And then at that point, when he is trying to take off his helmet, that's when we finally see Baby Yoda for the first time in the entire episode. Mm -hmm. And I was slightly worried about him for the first 10 minutes of the episode, but he's okay. But they find (laughs) him. and, And again, they're still just kind of making fun of him and asking him if he has a pet. And... There was also an interesting point that that uh, someone online made that that they, not Mando, but the other crew members also see Baby Yoda and don't really know what or who he is. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's very much implied that that even the Yoda species is sort of a mystery and unknown, even within the, the Star Wars universe. So he's obviously I mean, rare. The only ones we've ever seen were, you know, Yoda and what was it Yaddle, Yaddle. I think, on yeah. the, the council. Mm-hmm. And it's like... Yep. If there aren't more of them than those two, nobody else, none of these people would have ever seen them. (laughs) So it is kind of like, what? Yeah. And they also, um, somebody says maybe that code of yours has made you soft um, because he has a quote unquote pet, you know. So, um, yeah, another another part of that whole attack on his um, beliefs. And I think this plays into the the story as it goes along. And I'll mention it here. But um, I, I was... I, I think this speaks to Mando's character is that he is being ridiculed and mocked, and yet he has sort of adopted his team as his family. And he, uh, we'll see as the episode goes on, that he takes out those four droids, those security droids on the prison ship uh, for his teammates. And in fact, they sort of, Mayfield calls him off from even helping him out. But so he's willing to fight for his teammates, even though they seem to ridicule and mock him. And that's not reciprocated. And I think that points to Mando's own, his, his philosophy, his idea on who family is and his tribe and his, and his connection. And it's only when they betray him that he turns on them. Yeah, I think I kind of took it as he has a standard, you know, and also he's doing a job. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to, um, he has a certain level of respect that he gives to people that he's working with, you know, as we saw in the last episode as well. Um, and so even though, yeah, they're jerks to him, he's still not going to, um, do anything to them that, I mean, they don't, um, well, we'll get into that more, I guess, as we get into the episode. He also responds like, I guess that probably one of the best ways to respond to bullies is by just not engaging. Um, so they, they do, uh, drop out of hyperspace and zero did a poor job of informing everybody and everybody goes flying. And I almost uh, yelled out in surprise when baby Yoda like fell to the ground. <sighs> yeah. Playing with was, fire. Yeah. Um, oh, but yeah. thankfully he was all right. They land he took, on. He took it like a champ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
he probably used the force and just had created a yeah. little cushion, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they land on the prison ship, and Mando is the one who manages to open the the hatch, and they they drop into the the prison ship led by by Mayfield, and all four of them, Mayfield, Sheon, Berg. And Mando drop down into the prison ship and Zero stays on the ship and gives them directions to the, the control room because they have to figure out where on the ship the, 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 the prisoner is that they're trying to rescue. And I had an odd sort of Siri moment. They were, they were walking down one of the hallways and, and Zero's like, turn left at the next juncture. <laughs> and I was like, well, Siri's a bit nicer sounding than Zero, but... Uh, <laughs> Zero's leading them on to to the control room, and they pass by a number of prisoners. Uh, they they see uh, a few droids. In fact, they encounter a mouse droid that that sort of is a jump scare and surprises them. Oh, among the prisoners, I just mm. want to mention there was an Ardenian, the four the four armed monkey yeah. kind of character that um, yep. we saw that same species as uh, Rio, which was John Favreau's character in Han Solo, the Solo movie. Um, so. Yeah, I just thought that was a cool little reference. They could have thrown in a bunch of cameos from random random prisoners. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of them was an Imperial, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I didn't know who he was. Something about him creeped me out. So they get they get spooked by a mouse droid at the end of that, that corridor, and Berg shoots it, and that causes them to be discovered and attacked by all these security droids. And that was the the fight that I was referencing earlier, where they start shooting at these droids, and Mando sneaks around behind them and takes all four of those droids out. And Mayfield sort of calls the other teammates off from helping. Just, I, I think he was sort of just evaluating how good Mando was against four droids, and Mando definitely won that battle. So after that, they arrive at the control room and they are told by Zero that there is one organic on board and that organic is within the control room. And they charge in anyway and they encounter a new Republic officer named Davin. And they quickly discover that they need to be looking at cell 221. And I don't know if that had any significance, but... That's where they had to go. But then there's a standoff between Davin and Mayfield and Mando. And Davin is trying to to get uh, Mando and his crew to stand down. And and Mayfield is trying to get Davin to stand down. And there was some interesting dialogue that happened there. That was That was where Mando was trying to find a way to resolve the situation without killing. And so I think I think that was one of those moments where we find out that he is not the same as he was in the past. And Davin holds up a tracking beacon that and is threatening to push it. And if he pushes it, the New Republic is going to be on them within about 20 minutes. And the standoff sort of continues until Sheehan just throws a knife and kills the New Republic officer. And she just mm -hmm. ignores both Mando and Mayfield in that whole situation. And that was something that I was not expecting. I've sort I sort of kept seeing Sheehan as like an unpredictable character. At one point, uh, one of the other team members calls her crazy, and I kept having the the name of just chaos. I kept calling her chaos because she she was so like just off the wall and kind of Andrew. You mentioned she was kind of her her uh, 
personality was over the top. And so I just, I kept seeing her as kind of this, this uh, unpredictable character. And she, she kind of scared me. The word that kept coming to mind for me was just repulsive. Mm. Like she's just mm. an absolutely like repulsive character, you know, just mm-hmm. freaking me out. <laughs> she really reminded me of Catwoman. She was hissing a lot. Uh, Um, she kind of had this sort of way that she moved that was kind of like a cat and she had those little dagger things, um, sort of like Catwoman as well. Um, and, uh, she was a little bit like flirtatious, um, at the beginning. Plus they had these mouse droid things. So I, I picked up on the cat and mouse Hmm. type of sort of little, I don't know what that would be motif, but, um, yeah, that was kind of that was one of the Batman connections that I picked up on. I I really felt like she reminded me a lot of Catwoman. Yeah, you took you took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, I was I was definitely going to compare it to Catwoman right before you said that. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. In 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 one way, I, I was comparing her to now. Hear me out on this. My daughter, my three year old daughter, because she's <laughs> she's doing this thing now where every time she gets frustrated, she really is like. Ah! And she just keeps like, like doing that over and over and over again. I'm frustrated. So like so many times. And I noticed it the second time I watched it so many times where she just like, Rah! and I'm like, okay, just calm down. Calm down. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh yeah, it's not Noel. It's, it's yeah, okay. <laughs> I think they kind of just to wrap up the little cat thing. I think they kind of really, for me, emphasize that at the end, because at the very end of the episode, we see the three of them in that prison cell and it looks like a cat in a cage to me like she hisses at the at the camera so i'm gonna have to rewatch it now <laughs> uh so she kills david just flat out and we we very we learn quickly that he as he died or right before he died he hits the the tracking beacon and Zero comes on the intercoms to inform them that they have 20 minutes to find the prisoner and escape before the New Republic is going to be breathing down their necks. So they run off to cell 221. And we, we see the scene why uh, Berg is called the muscle. There's the, that huge <laughs> droid, whatever it is. And he just picks it up and throws it into the other one. And <laughs> like all the explosions are going off behind him. And, <laughs> That was over the top for sure. <laughs> yeah, and Bill, Bill Burr's just like, oh, <laughs> and you know he's played by Clancy Brown, who's uh, who's done a lot of voice voice uh, acting for for Star Wars, uh, but it's this is his first live action role, and a lot of people remember him from from Highlander back in the day. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I thought he was uh, he was just great. He just chewed up the scenery every scene he was in yeah well since you went there he uh just to to point this out to people he was uh the voice of Ryder zadi in star wars rebels he was the voice of montross in the video game star wars bounty hunter and he was in the clone wars and i'm blanking on the name of his character i think mike you had mentioned sauvage oppress (laughs) (laughs) one of my favorite very subtle (laughs) it's literally for for those who don't know it's literally just savage oppress but you can make it like french or something but yeah but he france or i don't know (laughs) so he's one of the clone wars one of the three clone wars connections that i saw so him and then matt lanter who was the voice of anakin skywalker played um david 
Oh, um, I didn't, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't recognize him <sighs> with the the egghead hat on, <laughs> and then um, and then at the end we got Dave Filoni too. So yes, and also the uh, the evil prison guard. He played the evil prison guard in Shawshank Redemption. Probably what most right. people would recognize him. In. Ah. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. He was. Did, he's also Mr. Krabs on SpongeBob. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did Dave Filoni do other voice acting roles? I, I thought didn't yeah. he do Chopper? Didn't yeah, he, he was oh, Chopper. Yeah. And um, he he played a ton of little cameos here okay. and there on uh, Clone Wars and Rebels. So moving on, uh, they open the 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 cell. And we realize that the the prisoner that they're meant to help escape is Quinn, who is a Twi'lek who looks an awful lot like Shion. And we very quickly realize that it is Shion's brother. And it's revealed in that moment that Mando left him behind on a previous job long ago. And it's sort of implied that that's why he's in the position that he is now. And they all immediately gang up on Mando and throw him in the cell and shut the door and leave him behind was yeah. very sad you yeah, know no discussion <laughs> well but they surely they they had had already planned that out beforehand well i wonder did you guys notice when when he was first unlocking the door in the razor yeah. crest they're whispering off to the side mm-hmm. and she's like giggling like I'm, i was wondering if it's just that like hey let's leave him here you know I, yeah at first i thought they were just making fun of him yeah. like they're probably just cracking jokes but then after that scene i was like oh yeah they were probably planning this you know from the beginning I don't think this um, break breaking the prisoner out. I don't think this was a five person job. I think it was getting the Mando, uh, getting revenge on the Mando was a four person job. So <laughs> I think that's why they had that many people. I mean, obviously they wanted his ship, but I yeah, I think it was mm. to get back at him. So so a number of things then happen in kind of quick succession. Uh, zero cleans up a transmission from the razor crest razor crest from grief cargo so the the transmission from chapter three where grief cargo is telling mando to deliver the asset directly to the client um in reference to baby yoda and so zero realizes that there's something about mando that that they can use against him and mando very quickly escapes the cell by reeling in a a passing security droid and using its security clearance in the computer socket uh within the 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 cell and uh someone online was pointing out that that there's this whole kind of visual shift that happens uh if you there, there was this uh when he pulls the droid over and like pulls the arm out of its socket like there's this oil liquid that spews everywhere and and mm. gets on the wall the pristine white walls and it's like and then after that uh mando makes it to the control center and kills the power and so then everything turns red and dark and there's this shift in the the genre of the story mm-hmm. and the the whole feeling of the the the, the prison ship it's like ridley and alien you know, like, um, and there was an there was a Ripley. A, I'm sorry, Ridley, Ridley. I'm thinking Ridley Scott. Ripley, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Ripley, Ripley. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was there was a parallel happening though on the the Razor Crest between Zero, who is now who has discovered Baby Yoda because he shows up in the cockpit and then he disappears, and then Zero is sort of the hunter hunting Baby Yoda, and Mando becomes the hunter hunting uh, the other the other crew members. Yeah, it was a great, great duality of uh, of hide and seek. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Two hide and seek, you know, sequences going on back and forth. Yeah, I thought that was uh, uh, really w- well edited. Did you guys get the sense that um, possibly Baby Yoda scrambled the comm system? And that was right after, that was right before. Hmm. So, so the comms get scrambled on the Razor Crest and then Zero's like, oh, I don't have any connection with you guys anymore. You're on your own. And then he turns around and Baby Yoda's right there. And he's like, hmm, curious. And that's when he starts, you know, trying to, that's when that whole hide and seek sort of thing begins. Hmm. But I, yeah, I wondered if Baby Yoda interfered with that. Wow, I did, yeah, I didn't think of that at all. <laughs> yeah, I just assumed that he still, uh, Mando has still some sort of connection to his ship that he was able to, you know, smash the, the communications. That's what I assumed. But the, yeah, that's, that's my first guess would be, I don't know if Baby Yoda w- would be that a- aware of the situation, you know, because yeah, he's still I don't know. Baby Yoda. But I mean, there's a lot we don't know about him, <laughs> so you could very well be right about well, that. He seems, he seems to not even know about himself yet. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> he's trying things, though. He seems yeah. to think he can heal Mando's cut. You know, I don't know. That's it's, right. just, <laughs> it's, it's just fun. I, I was sort of just under the assumption that Mando had had done something in the control room, but Baby Yoda is full of surprises. <laughs> um. So then, and I, and I thought it was really funny at that point that Zero is talking to the crew members, and he realizes that the communications are out and yet he still finishes the whole sentence <laughs> as if Such a like, droid. <laughs> yeah <laughs> few few moments of comic relief in the in the uh building terror of the episode we and that and then we kind of shift back to to the crew members who are running and mando is sort of intentionally closing doors on them and seemingly intentionally isolating them out and then pursuing them one-on-one which was again when i watched it from the eyes of the crew members that was like okay this is this is intense that's that's one of the reviewers on ign made i thought a really good point that it's like after all these episodes of us really getting close to to mando now being able to see him just for a minute the way his bounties see him Mm. (laughs) you know like this reputation that he built up that we landed right in the middle of in the first episode it's like this is why so that was pretty cool we also get the, the 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 dialogue between Mayfield and Quinn, where Mayfield asks him about his sister and whether or not he wants to to rescue her more or less, and he basically says he doesn't care if his sister makes it off the ship or not, and wants to be wants to get off. And then we have the 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 beginning of the encounters between Mando and the the various crew members, and the first one is Berg, who arrives in the control room looking for Mando. And uh, Mando is above in the in the air ducts and uh, kind of uses his he's got that that I don't even know what you call it. Like it's a a grappling thing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like I don't know. Yeah, but but he pulls him out of the the, the air vent and they, they have this fight and it takes two blast doors to finally kind of put put Berg in his place. And did you guys feel like luke skywalker in return of the jedi with the rancor oh i didn't that yeah, was, i didn't catch that but when, when the I first blast door comes down on berg that was the visual going through oh my yeah head. Mm-hmm. um i, I love i just love the the flamethrower on the face and then he's just like <laughs> yeah. ah. i'm like and okay, the whistling birds yeah. did you did yeah. you notice the whistling birds yes. did it work nope it did. i was like what is this thing <laughs> Yeah, I was like, yeah, he, he actually had some more of those precious whistling birds and they just went to waste. Well, and he used he used a lot of them. So I, yeah, I, did. I don't yeah. know if he has any left. 
Um, but he wins the fight, and and it takes both blast doors to to put him down. And uh, we're sort of uh, assuming that he died in that, but we find out later that he didn't. The the next encounter that we get is between Mando and Shion, and that was we have this fun knife throwing encounter between the two of them, which was really fun to watch um and but again mando just totally has has the upper hand uses one of her knives and grabs her and and holds it to her throat and then we move on to the next scene let's see who's next uh oh that would the next one would be mando's encounter with mayfield Mm -hmm. and that one was was so great (laughs) it was Was that another was that another batman reference for you guys yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, that was if do you remember? Yeah, it was that scene. And was it Dark Knight Rises? Right when they're going in yeah. the sewers and that like yep. strobe thing. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Like that. It's so cool. Just like Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's like stalking him. And then right at the end, Mayfeld screams, "No!" <laughs> <laughs> it's like he realizes, "No, there's yeah. no way." Yeah, and it's it was it was. Uh, I also got the the Batman sort of vibes because if you notice, every time he. At the end of every battle he had with each one of those uh, characters, you weren't sure if he if Mando mm-hmm. killed them or not. Right. It was kind of like tease, yeah. like, oh, was that a yeah. lethal blow? And then obviously you see them like in Batman fashion. Nope, the 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 bad guys are locked up <laughs> conveniently together. So <laughs> ripe for the New Republic to, to come and find them, just like uh, Batman would do for Jim Gordon, you yep. know, many times. Yeah. So yeah, that 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 was, uh, and and also reminded me of the scene. No, I was just gonna say that the writers are are obviously trying to misdirect us too, because uh, when Mando finds Quinn at the entrance to to the Razor Crest, Quinn tells Mando, say, mm. he says, "You killed the others," and Mando just responds with, "They got what they deserved." So he doesn't mm-hmm. deny it, yeah, mm-hmm. right, but he doesn't affirm it either. That's the neat yeah. neat justice play there, right? Because I was thinking about that, you know, our. Uh, the, the catechism, you know, definition really of just that idea of of uh, giving someone what what is their due, and mm-hmm. so I thought that that idea of like a little window into like where's Mando at right now in the notion of justice, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not some kind of vengeance thing. It's just like I don't need to kill these people. I just need to get them in the cell and get out of here, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, so that was kind of cool. Well, and even I mean, you could potentially say mercy too. That you know, right? He he, he didn't kill them when you know maybe that's that would have been the the standard thing to do in that kind of a situation eye for an eye right because they did kill they did kill that new republic officer so yeah and he could he could have killed them all well we well maybe not bird we don't we just don't know (laughs) (laughs) we don't don't know what that takes right (laughs) maybe the others so mando encounters quinn there at the the entrance to the razor crest and quinn tries to protect himself and and lays down his weapon and goes quietly with with Mando rather than be killed is what he's assuming Mando is going to do. Um and all the while throughout this Zero is hunting baby Yoda which was again its own little sort of terrifying but cute sort of <laughs> thing that was happening. Like baby Yoda's hiding behind one of the the crates in the in the ship and Zero is opening other uh other doors and not finding him and and uh, Zero eventually does find Baby Yoda, and he's in his little little cubby uh, place where he sleeps. And that's where we have this this scene where Baby Yoda seems to attempt to use the Force on Zero. And 
no idea what he was intending to do, just knock him <laughs> over or what. And uh, my first thought was that he actually succeeded in in destroying Zero when he was <laughs> when he exploded. But that was that was Mando actually shooting Zero from behind. And he <laughs> looks at his little hand. What am I that capable of? <laughs> so Mando finally has uh, possession of his ship again. He's got possession of Quinn. I, I, Father, yeah. I'm so sorry. Can I just before I forget? Because one thing I just realized that's that's how they met, right? Like basically, you know, where Mando oh, shoots a yeah. droid who's trying to kill him, mm. <laughs> very specifically. Yeah. Oh, good <laughs> point. Yeah, cool. a little homage. They're probably reminiscing on that right now and right. bonding. So Mando uh, heads back to the space station to deliver Quinn to to Ron, and uh, he gets his money and tells Ron that that the no questions policy is is in effect when uh, Ron tries to ask what happened to the rest of the team. And we very quickly see that Ron has no intention of letting Mando escape. And so Mando leaves with his ship and Ron uh, tells someone to on an intercom to, to kill him. And we see the, the ship rise up and get ready to take off after Mando. And in that moment, Quinn hears the, the beeping of the, the tracking beacon that Mando had left on his body. And they quickly realize that the New Republic is going to show up and take them down. And as Mando is leaving the system, three X-Wing fighters arrive, tracking the beacon to the station, and very quickly destroy the, the gunship that they see taking off, and which in turn destroys the station. And those three were very important cameos. And mm -hmm. we were we were kind of talking about this before the podcast started that that Filoni, Dave Filoni is, is the one that all of us tended to, to recognize right off the bat, minus the cowboy hat and in a New Republic <laughs> helmet. Uh, but the other two were uh, Rick uh, Famu, Famuyima, Famu, mm -hmm. Famuyima, 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 I'm Famuyima. sorry, I just butchered that, <laughs> um, but he, he is the director for this episode. Uh, Dave Filoni wrote and directed Chapter 5, and then uh, the third X-Wing pilot is is the actress there is Deborah Chow, who directed uh, Chapter 3. So all... Oh, and, who's, and who's doing the Obi-Wan show, yep, right. too, yeah. yeah. Yep. So, fun fact about that, the names that they're credited with, so Dave's character is called Trapper Wolf, and we all know Dave Filoni loves wolves. Rick Famuyiwa's uh, character is called Jib Dodger. So I just thought that was a reference to him being a director because a jib is like um, a thing yeah. you can put a camera on and it's kind of like a, almost like, like a, a, a mini crane. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, then Deborah's character was Sash Ketter. And I know Sash, like Sash Cord is something that grips use on set, but I couldn't figure out what Ketter what was meaning. So... I just thought that was cool, the names that they picked. They're also very Star Wars names. Yes. Which is important. Um, so they destroy the space station. Mando and Baby Yoda fly off into the not sunset of darkness of space. And <laughs> Mando gives Baby Yoda the, the little ball from the lever in the, in the cockpit. <laughs> like, that's his toy. <laughs> Uh, and then the final scene of the episode is revealed that Mando didn't kill Mayfield Berg and, and Shion, but they're actually trapped in that prison cell on the ship. And that's that's the end, which I think 
again, I think that references, well, it references his code that he didn't want to kill. So, uh, you know, the Batman code or whatever you want to call it. But I, and I don't know if I'm reading into it or not, but I, I still kept trying to, to reference who Mando was to who he is now and whether or not, you know, he would have just killed them, you know, if it was 10 years ago or whenever he was that, that person. And so now he's got, you know, a bit, a bit more of a ethics and moral code and, and it reveals a little something about who he, who he is. And I think the other the other thing that I've already kind of mentioned too is I I did find some of those family themes present within the episode and how Mando treats those he's adopted as family compared to uh, specifically Quinn and Shion who they're they're blood brother and sister and yet Quinn has no qualms of of leaving uh, Shion behind so to see those kind of things set up against each other was was interesting to me. Um, another random point that I had in my notes was I really liked Mayfield's third robotic arm with the blaster on it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Although I did have to laugh too. Cause it's, you know, you see actors and stuff doing this all the time. And it was just funny. Cause did you notice he was really like pumping his hands? Like when he's shooting, <laughs> yeah. and like puffing up his lips. Like you could almost imagine like the little, like the little kid in him having <laughs> so much fun. It, it reminded me of when they said that, uh, Ewan McGregor and Liam Neeson, a lot of the actors in episode ah. one, especially, were all making the lightsaber sounds, and like it took like so much training for them to not do that while they were fighting. <laughs> it's hard not to. Cool. Uh, any final thoughts? Things that that we missed uh, in your guys's notes from the episode? Um, well, I noticed that the some of the names came from Legends, Star Wars Legends. So. Shion was a um, apparently a Jedi Knight who fought during the Clone Wars in Star Wars Legends, and she was killed by Aura Singh, who was, of course, Boba Fett's mentor. So that's a Legends uh, connection to Mandalorians. Um, and Ran actually was a pilot for the New Republic in Legends, who gets caught up in a plot to kidnap Ben Skywalker. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, and then Zero. So there was a droid Zero uh, in Legends who had kind of like a superiority complex, sort of like L337 that we see in the Solo movie, um, where droid Zero thinks that it's kind of like beneath him to serve sentient beings. So um, I guess in this Zero droid, we kind of got a little flavor of that with his kind of like uh, my my response time is quicker than organics yeah. and I'm smarter too. He says that at the beginning. And then just another thing was it's cool. They had a Deveronian character because in, we see that in Canon in a new hope, right in the cantina, we see a Deveronian, but then in legends, um, that same character that we see in the cantina ends up being like one of the galaxy's biggest bounties and Boba Fett ends up um, capturing him. So I just thought that was cool. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, bring up the, the there was uh, a joke that Mayfeld, Bill Burr's character, mentioned about when he first sees Baby Yoda. He looks at Mando and and Gian and says, "Did you guys make that?" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I thought that was I thought it was funny, and it's like it's it, it was kind of sort of sh it was also shocking too because in the <laughs> in the world of Star Wars, there's not there's not too many references to uh, you know people having you know sexual relationships. So it's kind of like whoa, did they just <laughs> talk about that in star wars so um and bill burr bill burr was like the 
you know, obviously he would be the guy to crack, you know, a joke like that. So I just, that was just something I remembered from the episode. But yeah, but overall, uh, again, you know, we've talked about how this this show, you know, has is obviously influenced by a lot of westerns and and anime, and it's sort of the nature of the show that we're we're finding out is like it's obviously with Baloney's hand in it as well. It's it plays like an animated series, and like w- now that we're getting closer to the we're down to the last two episodes, you know, the the reactions I'm starting to see on on Twitter and and you know, social media is like, it's starting to get a little more mixed on the show. You, you sort of have the the side that will champion the show because of, you know, whether it's just because of Baby Yoda or the people who are, you know, just Filoni fanatics and, and stuff like that. Or like, uh, I think our, our general consensus so far is that we're, you know, we're enjoying the show. And, and we, even though we agree, maybe the plot's not progressing as as fast as some other shows have done that that are only eight episodes in length uh for a season we are noticing the the little tidbits into his character and 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 maybe we're realizing this is more of a character study than a big big plot at least for for season one but like western shows and anime shows that that it's taking a lot of influence from you know those shows are usually like a thousand episodes you know long so they can they can afford to have these sort of filler episodes you know where it's just these sort of one-off side adventures and then they they go and revisit the the main storyline later on but again for such a short uh season length um i think that's where you're trying to you're kind of seeing maybe some people maybe temper their expectations a little bit on the show um so it'll be interesting to see how with these last two they sort of uh revisit you know all the the loose ends obviously from episode from chapter five figure out who we saw at the end there, is it Giancarlo Esposito's character? Uh, we still haven't seen him. You know, I, we thought he, he might be prominent this season, but still even haven't seen him on screen yet. So we'll have to wait and see. And we'll be there. Yeah, and I don't really have anything to other you know to say than what uh, what you guys already pointed out. And, and that's what I was thinking, too, as far as just my hope to see. Well, I think it has to happen, really, uh, to, to kind of see this, this whatever thread's been going through this and kind of pull back and look at, at how it all starts to converge and uh, I did see no no spoilers or anything but I I just saw some things here or there that seem to suggest that um oh I just lost her name Cara Dune I forget who's the actress again I just lost it Gina uh no G- yeah Carano. Um, Carano yeah that um that she's that she's coming back and I know you know they're they're it'll be interesting cuz she was I think a really strong character an interesting connection for him to have you know someone who's a good sort of teammate in all this um, and you know, we know that, um, we do know that, that Carl Weathers is still around. <laughs> right. So, uh, so yeah. And, and, and some of the clips, like I remember just from the original trailer, things that I remember seeing that were really cool in the trailer that haven't happened yet, you know, so you can kind of just be like, okay, well that has to come up in seven and eight. So, um, there's some, some fun stuff certainly to look forward to in the last two episodes. So looking forward to it. Well, in the Rogue One trailer, we saw some things that we didn't ever see in the movie, That's so true. who knows? That's true. <laughs> and vice versa, there were lots of things that we didn't see that then showed up, you know, like Baby Yoda, for example, for, <laughs> for, for this, so who knows? And we're obviously getting scenes with Carrie Fisher that were not seen in Episode 7, but that will be yeah. in Episode 9, so yep. these things happen. Yep. Um, and I'm also very curious to see what connection they make to Rise of Skywalker, because that's been heavily implied that there will be some connection. Um, can't be a huge, huge connection, but there's going to be something. Well, but that's it from us. Uh, what did you think of episode six of The Mandalorian? Be sure to email us or comment on our Facebook or Twitter page and let us know. 
You can email us any feedback at starwars at sqpn.com, and you can find StarQuest on Facebook at facebook.com slash starquestmedia, and on Twitter at sqpn. We'd like, it, we'd like to take a moment now and thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Wars, including Eric E., Brian S., Michael P., Brian K., and James H. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Wars and all the shows that we make here at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Also, of course, be sure to subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can also follow us on the SQPN YouTube channel. To find previous episodes of The Secrets of Star Wars, please visit sqpn.com slash Wars. And we'll be back next week when we will be discussing the seventh episode of The Mandalorian. And so until then, Angela, Cialana, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Wars. It was my pleasure. Thanks. Mike Creevy, thanks for joining us, of course. Always a pleasure. <laughs> and Andrew Hermes, thanks for joining us tonight. Till next time. Once again, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. <laughs>